Welcome to the Brownstoner Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Schneps, publisher of Brownstoner. My guests today are Debbie Zolan and Jacqueline Rositer, founders of the Zolan Rositer team at Compass. Welcome, Debbie and Jackie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's my pleasure. So, Debbie, you have a background in marketing, advertising, and fashion and, and live here in Dumbo as well as the Berkshires. Jackie, you're a native Brooklynite who's lived in Fort Greene and Clinton Hill and now Bed-Stuy, and real estate is your first focus and career. As a team, you have more than 30 years experience with every aspect of residential sales, including special situations such as estate sales, short sales, sponsor apartments, co-op rentals, and new development sales. You also enjoy injecting some fun into what can sometimes be a truly stressful process. So tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate and what you love most about it. Is being an agent like what you see on TV? We have to hear it right from you. Well, I'll start first, I guess. I worked, as you mentioned, Josh, marketing and advertising. I also had a t-shirt company and I was running that t-shirt company when there was the downturn in the economy. And a friend of mine suggested that I go into real estate and I had never actually thought about it at all. And frankly, you know, real estate agents don't have the greatest reputations or don't always have the greatest reputations. So I was a little shocked at first. And then mm. the more I thought about it, the more I thought it really married my interest in design, marketing, advertising, promotion. I worked in the fashion business and I loved working with people. So the more I thought about it, the more I researched it, the more I thought, you know, this actually does sound like it's right up my alley. So that was about 13 years ago now, and I absolutely love this career. It will be my last career. It's wonderful. What do I love most about it? Probably all of those aspects that I just mentioned, but I am a people person. And yeah. so I really enjoy working with different kinds of people. I like to figure things out. And I feel like real estate sometimes is a puzzle, whether we're working with a buyer, working with a seller, trying to find the, the buyer for the property or trying to find the property for the buyer. Sometimes it's a little bit like a puzzle. So, and every deal is different. So it keeps it really interesting. Thank you, Debbie. What about you, Jacqueline? So, like you mentioned earlier, real estate is my first career. I've, you know, worked in small kind of places prior to getting involved in real estate. But one of them, which was a key shop in Brooklyn Heights. So I found myself walking, you know, to and from work. And just looking at all of the beautiful brownstones in Brooklyn Heights and like looking through windows and seeing the ornate details inside of these beautiful properties. So it got me interested in that way. And then a lot of the people that would come in to get keys made were real estate agents. So I'd mm -hmm. hear them talking on the phone. They always looked so happy, you know, busy <laughs> on the go, but, you know, not too stressed out. And I started talking to them and picking their brains too. And what I loved most about it is just like, yes, the flexibility of creating your own schedule and things like that. Oh. I had a hard time punching a clock. I, like that would make me feel very constricted. Whereas this industry makes me feel it's it more expanded. I am not afraid of hard work. I work very, very hard, probably more than, you know, somebody who works full time and is able to come home and, and turn their business off. So yeah, it, it just, it was the first and only 
kind of career that I had. And it's like Debbie said, it's going to be my last two. I absolutely love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. Every day is different. I'm always learning something new. I am also a people person. So I found the industry that I was meant to be in at an early age and, you know, extremely grateful for that. That's really fortunate. You know, I think in order for anyone to be great at what they do, you really have to love it. So yeah. that's really terrific to hear. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners would love to hear from each of you, you know, really about the current market conditions. What are you seeing in Brooklyn and what advice are you giving to your clients about sales prices, about the low inventory and the high current interest rates? So I don't know who wants to take that one first. So it's a little tough in the market right now. I think anybody who's going to tell you it's a breeze is not telling the truth. It's a little tough. Obviously, the inflated interest rates, the lack of inventory, people's concern about the geopolitical situation. It's just a little bit tougher. It's a little bit of a struggle. And then the deals that are getting done, it's taking a lot longer to get them across the finish line. So there's a lot of apprehension, I would say. Negotiations are taking longer. Offers coming in are taking longer. Due diligence is taking longer. But I think what we always find, and, and Jackie will will jump in as well, is with our clients when something like this happens, when there's you know a, a hike in the interest rates, there's a moment of pause. There's a, a period of maybe stepping back for a moment. Maybe they're not going out to an open house, or they're not seeing appointments, or going on appointments for for two weeks. But then what happens? Life happens, right? Mm. The things that we need to do, we still need to do, whether we don't want to rent anymore and we want to buy, whether we need to downsize, whether there's been a graduation and someone's moving to the city after graduating from college, whether there's a death, a divorce. I can tell you countless situations right now where, you know, why people are selling or why people are buying. And it's really all of those life situations. So, it is tough, but there's still properties out there. There will be more properties coming on the market in the new year as they typically do in January. Sellers, if they are reasonable and they are realistic, deals are getting done. I'm seeing a lot more cash offers at every mm-hmm. price point out there. Wow. And, you know, it's things will get done. You have to have persistence, you have to persevere, and you have to align yourself with a great agent. Sure. Agreed. I think the advice that I'm giving my sellers these days is not to go into the listing at an inflated number because then it will just end up sitting, right? It's really about being strategic and pricing it correctly in this market. If you, you know, if you're looking for things to sell, if you need to make something happen, because like Debbie said, there's always going to be a seller, there's always going to be a buyer because life is always happening no matter what the market is. And it's really hard to time the market, right? Like you don't know when you're at the bottom of the market until you start to see an uptick, you know? So it's it's really hard to time everything. And sometimes you just can't time it because like, you know, life, life is happening. So it's just about, about being strategic and really understanding the personal needs and wants of that in particular client and then helping them guide them as much as you possibly can you know, to their desired result, regardless of the market that we're in. No, that's great feedback. I really appreciate it. I think one of the things that would be great is for you guys to share a story about a really a challenging special situation that you recently helped a client with. Anything that you could share in that perspective? Debbie's got a good one. <laughs> oh, I yeah. mean, I'm happy, I'm happy to start. Unfortunate situation, but um, 
we had a buyer, a lovely young woman in contract on a house in Flatbush. I think we were about, you know, one, maybe, you know, two weeks into the the contract signing. And I got a call from the listing agent and the listing agent said, did you hear? No, I didn't hear. There was a fire at the house. There was a fire at the house. I said, oh my gosh, we have no idea what the condition is. You're going to have to tell your buyer. We don't know what the situation is, but you'll have to call the buyer. So I called the attorney who I know really well, spoke to her. She's like, I've never had this happen. I said, neither have I. We called the buyer. We were really lucky in that this buyer was just the calmest person I've ever dealt with. And imagine getting a phone call from your agent saying the house that you're in contract to buy was up in flames last night. We all went on YouTube and found the local neighbors, you know, having filmed it. And it was pretty dramatic. And we had no sense of, you know, the condition of the house. So we went about all of the typical steps. We had to find out that there needed to be the, you know, inspection report. The firemen had to get in there. So we discussed what they wanted to do. They finally were able to get in there. It was really unbelievable in terms of the water damage on top of, you know, the fire damage. Did not have the fire marshal's report. I think we still don't have the fire marshal's report. We were finally able to get in there. We brought the contract. We bought an architect. She still decided she wanted to move forward with it. Wow. We were able to renegotiate the, the property. It was an estate sale. So this was a really unfortunate situation for everybody. The family had no money. This was their largest asset. My client is pregnant. She has to extend the lease on her current apartment. There was a lot of negotiation back and forth. And just to add you know, some more drama, a number of developers started contacting the agents and saying they wanted to buy this site on scene. Hmm. So, you know, we're now negotiating with, you know, developers who probably wanted to raise the property and just start all over again. So long story short, it was really unbelievable. We luckily had very even keeled clients. The attorney was tremendous and we were able to renegotiate the property for about $125,000 less than we were in contract for. She is moving forward. We obviously spent a lot of time figuring out, was there another property that she could could purchase. And she decided that location, that property, even with the additional work, is what she wanted. With perseverance and a good team got us across the finish line. That's a challenging situation. And that's great. They were able to work with them to still move forward and buy it. That's terrific. Well, listen, sometimes things happen for a reason. Thankfully, no one was hurt with that fire. I'd love for you guys to share a little bit about the Compass Concierge Program. I think it would be great to give an example of how the program benefits clients. So we've used it a number of times and have seen amazing success with this product. It's it's a brilliant product to be able to offer our customers, whether they have the cash to do the upfront work or not. We use it mostly for staging and to improve the property prior to listing it so that we can get as many eyes in the door as early on and get the seller the best price without them having to come out of pocket initially to do this work, right? It just comes out of the closing, out of the proceeds. Mm -hmm. So we've had tremendous, tremendous success. We've used it quite a few times. We used it most recently on a co-op in Brooklyn Heights. Unfortunately, the seller did not have the wherewithal to, you know, put the money forward to 
improve upon the property so that it showed in its best light. And we did a lot of things. We did electrical updates. We did plumbing. We Mm. painted the entire apartment. I had this brilliant, unbelievably hardworking declutterer come in and help them literally empty the house of bags and bags of clothing Mm. and items that didn't need to be there anymore. She even helped sort of reorganize the furniture and take some of the furniture out and put it in storage. She was able to sell some of the items for the seller. So to give them additional income too, additional money to sell some of the items. We did not stage that one, but this was a number of different, you know, contractors coming in, the coordination of it. But this was an incredibly successful sale. We listed it and we had offers within the first two weeks and it ultimately sold for 13% over the asking price. Mm. And the clients were so appreciative and it literally would not have gotten done that way had it not been for Compass Concierge because they literally didn't have the resources to spend the money and they would not have gotten that you know additional 13% over the asking price had we not done that work. So I've done it countless times, whether the seller could afford it or not. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. just more convenient. We're able mm-hmm. to give them a credit card and they exactly. literally use that credit card. I've had the seller right now using it for, again, plumbing updates. Even when he moved out some of the furniture and he bought items from Amazon, just lights that we needed in the um, apartment, he used it for Amazon. So it's really, really practical. And then like Jackie said, it's just taken out at the end of sale. And even to the monthly carrying cost of the unit, they're allowed to use a certain number towards that. So if it's an estate sale or something, right, and they're inheriting this and they have to like see the process through and it's another expense added on, they can just take that, the Compass Concierge, you know, money and use it towards that. That's a terrific program. It really is. We use it, you know, and only Compass has it. So there have been a number of firms that have come out with programs since then, and I don't know what they call them, but it also enables us to, you know, share that information with the sellers when we're pitching it, you know, when we're pitching that listing. So we're in a unique situation where this product exists only, you know, if you're a Compass agent. So even if a seller doesn't use it, they're truly like blown away by the concept of it. It's a really, really smart idea. And and basically things that, that happen at Compass happen because agents express a need for something. And, and that was an instance here where Compass Concierge was created because agents said, we have numerous sellers who just can't afford or don't want to deal with the prep yeah. of their apartment. And so this Compass Concierge was created. Yeah. For certain situations, I mean, it seems like a win-win. Yeah. So let's talk about both your passions. You both have many passions in addition to real estate, including yoga, salsa dancing, weight training, tennis, travel, and more. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I'd really love for you to share your interest in this Awareness Month and the work that you're doing with the Five Under 40 Foundation. So I'll start because I've done a lot of work with that organization. And, you know, Debbie has done a lot of work with other organizations, but Five Under 40 in particular, I was a brand ambassador for, for a number of years after receiving a diagnosis myself of breast cancer when I was 37 years old. Debbie and I are both breast cancer thrivers. We worked together prior to teaming up together. You know, we collaborated a lot when we were sitting side by side in an office where we were prior to Compass. 
And I can just, I remember getting the diagnosis and calling Debbie to share the news. And, you know, she was like, whatever you need, I'm here to support you. And she did. She really supported me throughout the entire process, you know, both personally and professionally. And then, you know, a year or two later, she ended up getting diagnosed herself. But with the Five Under 40 Foundation, it's an organization that funds medical wellness and beauty services for women who are diagnosed with breast cancer or who have the BRCA gene under the age of 40. Hmm. So it's a very small demographic, but you know, unfortunately growing rapidly. And these younger women usually present with more aggressive types of cancers because it's below the 40 year mark where you're supposed to get your mammogram and stuff like that. So these women are usually feeling it on their own and things Mm. like in a different period of their life, they may or may not have kids. They might be just starting a career, right? So it's, it's really challenging. And 540 is some really, really great work in terms of supporting these women, mental health support. They took me to get a wig. You know, it was great to see women on the other side of the disease right after they had gone through treatment and they're successfully living their life again. Sure. It was by far the one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with in my life. You know, it shook me to my core. But eight years out, thank God, you know, and and Debbie and I are still there to support each other. Yeah, that must have created a special bond between the two of you, I can imagine. Oh my God, for sure. Something that I'm involved with is Immerman Angels. And I recently had my first call as a mentor to a mentee. So it's a support system that is based upon our specific diagnoses. So, you know, if somebody's stage one or stage two or, you know, some type of diagnosis that's similar to someone else, they match you with someone. So it's really, really rewarding. And I, I signed up for it after I went through everything and I guess fortunately I hadn't gotten a call. So nobody needed <laughs> nobody needed that support at the particular mm-hmm. time. But I had a call with with a woman on Sunday and I just felt like after I had been diagnosed and I had, you know, was able to speak to friends or friends of friends or family members to be able to, you know, pay it back and 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 offer that type of consulting or a friendship or a lending ear to somebody who did doesn't have, you know, somebody close to them that experienced that. And in particular, she was somebody who had a son and and a son who was my my son's age when I was diagnosed. So we specifically talked about how it affected the children and you know, I'm so happy to be able to to help anybody in in any way. So if if anybody ever has that experience, I mean Jackie and I both have spoken to other agents in the industry. Jackie sat on a panel. Unfortunately, breast cancer is is here and it's affecting a lot of people. And, you know, while I don't really talk about it that much now, you know, people know a little bit more and more, but I'm always happy to, you know, share my experience or help anybody in any way. Yeah. Well, thank God you both are well and, you know, you're giving back, which is really great to hear about these organizations. Well, on a brighter side, Let's talk about, and I think this is Brownstoner, so we we have to end with, what inspires you about Brooklyn? Oh, my God. Brooklyn is so large and so diverse, and there's like so many different neighborhoods that have different vibes. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, pretty much have lived here all my life. 
And I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. There's always something to do, somewhere to go. You know, you're always meeting new people. Yeah, it's, and I dance salsa. So my studio is in Brooklyn. That's my passion. I love, I love dancing salsa. And there's, there's a ton of opportunities in Brooklyn and Manhattan for that. So very similar to what Jackie said. I think the culture, the diversity, the food, the Mm -hmm. energy, the passion. I I find Brooklyn people have so much passion and so much heart. It always makes me laugh when people are, you know, call the city Manhattan. You know, I'm like, Brooklyn is the city. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's so, it's so funny to me. But I absolutely love it. I lived in Manhattan first for a number of years. And, you know, then I I came over to Brooklyn and I would never go back. No offense, Manhattan, no (laughs) offense, other boroughs, but I absolutely love Brooklyn. I I think one of the things that I remember so well when I first moved into my apartment in Brooklyn Heights after coming from the, the Upper East Side of Manhattan was getting into the elevator and having somebody look at me and say, hello, and start talking to me. And I literally was like, right, right. what's going on? Is everything okay here? And then I <laughs> come to embrace that whole friendly, warm demeanor and and do the same. So I probably shocked people in my in my elevator in Dumbo, but it just it stood out to me at how different it was. I lived in a building for a number of years in Manhattan and never spoke to anybody. And the first day I, I move into my Brooklyn Heights apartment, someone's talking to me. So warm and friendly vibe. Come on over. I love it. Well, Debbie and Jacqueline, it's been a pleasure talking to both of you and learning more about your team and and really the two of you as individuals. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much. We love being here. That was my pleasure. Make sure to tune in to our podcast at brownstoner.com.